Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to episode 66 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about race day nutrition. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational. And let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners and hi Ryan, welcome to episode 66. Hi. How's it going today? We're going camping soon, I think, this afternoon. Very exciting. We live in Florida, as you guys know, and we're going to Rainbow Springs where you can do some tubing. And swimming and hiking and hopefully see some alligators. Hopefully we see them, but they don't eat us. But anyway, so if you're new to our podcast, we do weekly episodes that are inspirational and educational. And if you're a longtime listener, then welcome back. So what else is new? How's your training going? Um, going pretty well. So I'm training for a fall marathon, as you guys know, and it's the Berlin Marathon, which hopefully will still happen despite the fact that we are seeing more and more coronavirus cases. Germany had a meeting in their country and they decided that people who are either vaccinated or who have proof that they've gone through the coronavirus and that are tested are all able to participate. At least that's what they say this far. But again, we don't know because even so, even if the race directors are positive and say this race is going to happen, we don't know if it is, right? Because ultimately it's the country and the cities that make that decision. What do you think? I don't know. I don't want to be Nelly negative. I have some doubts and I have some backup races in my mind, but I really hope Berlin will happen because I've been training for it. I think it's negative Nelly. Instead of Nelly negative. Oh, did I say Nelly negative? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so we're going to continue training anyway, because what else can we do? We can find backup races. And then if shove comes to push, participate in those. But push comes to shove? Yes, that. <laughs> I don't know. I can't talk today. So how many miles do you run this week? I capped out at 81 miles. Not 82? Nope. Couldn't do it. So your legs going to fall off? My legs and my stomach. I'm always hungry. Which brings us to today's topic. Today we're going to talk about race day nutrition. So we've had an episode with the same nutritionist as we are going to have as a guest today. Her name is Amy Shapiro. And that was episode 55 where we talked all about the training and what to eat during your marathon training. So then we promised our listeners we're going to have another episode about race day nutrition, which also includes actually the week before the race, because as you know, you don't just get what you eat instantly. Um, it takes about a week to uh, up your carbs as you cut down on your training. And so that way you have um, maximal nutrition for your race day. 
Or you stop training and you eat more carbs? You don't stop training, but you taper. And you eat more carbs while you're tapering? Yes, because you want to make sure that your glycogen storages are all filled up. But of course, mm. there's a lot more to it. So that's what we're talking to、um, Amy about. Interesting. What else are you going to ask her? So, we're also going to talk about why changing your nutrition leading up to a marathon is important. We're going to talk about the liquids, what to drink. We're going to talk about food, what to eat during the race. And then we also present her with some、uh, very interesting listener questions. And then we talk about the, stun- the fun stuff, you know, stuff you can eat after your marathon, what you should eat, what you can eat, and all that for、uh, maximal recovery. But yeah, so、um, are you excited to hear what she has to say? Even though you're not training for a marathon, it's always nice to talk about food, right?、Um, I am excited to hear. I'm interested to hear. Okay, cool. So, without any further ado, we're going to now hear from Amy Shapiro. All right, so I'm here with Amy Shapiro. Amy, thank you for coming back on to speak with us. I'm so excited to be here. So, we've had an episode with you before where we talked about nutrition during marathon training. And then we left the bigger question towards the end, towards now, now that everybody is gearing up for race days for the fall marathons. And that question is all about race day nutrition. Actually, it's multiple questions、mm-hmm. because it's so different than the nutrition that we need、uh, day to day. But before we get into this, I wanted to ask you if you could please introduce yourself to our listeners again. Yes, of course. So I am Amy Shapiro. I'm a registered dietitian with a private practice based in New York City, but during COVID, you know, virtual everywhere. And I work with individual clients on a one to one basis to help them create nutrition plans that work for them and their goals. So if it is working with an athlete, then we're working towards those goals. If it's working toward, you know, something else, and we're working very individualized.、Um, and I also consult with、um, food companies and corporations and do a lot of corporate wellness speaking as well. So,、um, yeah, I guess that's me in a nutshell. That's a lot of expertise, and our listeners really appreciated your previous episode. As I mentioned to you before, we had A lot of great feedback because it's something that's super helpful to us runners that follow those online training programs, but then, you know, they don't specify what we should eat and why. So, with that in mind, let's talk about race day. And、um, actually, let's talk about the, lead, the week leading up to race day because, as you'll probably be able to explain to us better, it's super important to change our nutrition leading up to that. Sunday of 26.2 miles. So, could you perhaps tell us why that is so important? Well, you know, leading up to race day is important because you really need your body to be in peak condition, right? So, you're going to be putting it through a lot.、Um, even if you've been training, you know, 26.2 miles is not、um, an easy task for most bodies. So, you really need to lead up to race day and think about things like proper nutrition, how to fuel your long runs, how to fuel your short runs,、um, looking into your、um, digestion and what feels good. And then also, you want to fight inflammation and prevent injuries. So,、um, you know, nutrition for the whole process is really important to make sure that you're showing up to that day, you know, feeling like, you know, a thousand percent. Right, exactly. So, for that, our listeners can refer back to our previous episode with you. And so, let's talk about race day and just particularly drinking liquids.、Mm. My first question would be do we drink more the week 
before the marathon? And if so, how much more? And why do we need to increase our liquid intake that lasts seven days prior to a marathon? Right. So I would say when you're increasing your liquid intake, what you're really trying to do is meet your optimal hydration, right? So most people don't hydrate appropriately on the day-to-day basis. So it's not that you need to drink more because you're just going to release whatever is ex- you know, excessive, but you want to drink adequate amounts. So that for most people is going to be anywhere from, you know, eight to 10 to 12 cups of water a day, depending, of course, on your situation. So if you're still doing very sweaty workouts, if you live in a very hot environment, you know, you're going to drink for your hydration needs. So I want I want that to be clear that you don't need to overhydrate because overhydrating in excessive amounts will never do us any good. Um, so we want to make sure we're meeting our hydration goals. Um, generally, I recommend, you know, 64 to 80 ounces. Um, most people can meet 64. It's a challenge to meet 80. So I'd say start there. And then I also recommend, you know, having at least one, you know, um, or two electrolyte drinks a day, just so you are making sure to balance out your electrolytes with all the water that you're taking in. Um, however, in these days leading up, you're going to be getting electrolytes from your food in a very balanced manner. So it's not, you know, you don't need to pound electrolyte drinks as you would if you were, you know, doing a long run or really excessively sweat. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So I guess my next question about drinking more the day before a marathon, you're saying that if we drink too much, it's excessive and we'll excrete it anyway. Is that true? Or should we, knowing that we're the next day going to run 26.2 miles, should we drink a little bit more? You mean the day before, did you say? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the day before we want to drink, um, you know, we want to drink adequate amounts and make sure that we're drinking um, some electrolyte drinks as well. Um, so the day before, we want to again be adequately hydrated because to be overhydrated isn't isn't effective. So you want to aim for your usual amount, um, but you also want to have some of your electrolyte drinks. So you're going into race day hydrated. You don't want to be soaked right? And sloshy, you want to be hydrated. So um, again, aiming for your usual amount because you will release excess. And when you wake up in the morning, you'll have to start hydrating again anyway. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And it clarifies a lot of things. Myself, for example, and I'm sure a lot of other runners are in the same boat that we don't hydrate enough during training. And then we think about nutrition way more than we ever do the week or a couple of days before the marathon. And so we end up drinking a lot more than we usually drink the last two days, which kind of can lead to um, a lot of restroom stops during the race day. Right. So it's really, um, I think the good goal is to make sure that within, you know, the day or two leading up that you're really hitting your hydration markers. So your urine is like a very pale yellow, almost like lemonade, right? You're going to the bathroom fairly frequently, but to continuously pound water and pound water and pound water all day, you know, you run the risk of flushing out your electrolytes, right? Um, And then you have to worry about rebalancing. So really, you want to meet adequate hydration. And the reason for that is, A, you want to start with adequate hydration stores, and we don't want to start in a dehydrated state, which many of us do on a day-to-day basis. You know, we wake up, we have our coffee, we go about our day, we drink a little bit of water. But I always recommend drinking at least 12 ounces of water before your coffee, right? Because we want to hydrate before we caffeinate. So that's on a regular day. So if we as athletes are thinking about, you know, now is time to focus on our hydration, we want to just really meet our hydration markers because oversaturating anything isn't going to bode well. Um, so I think 
even if that means tuning in for the last week on like, let me make sure that I'm carrying around this big jug of water and I'm, you know, meeting 80 ounces, that's great. And also throwing in an electrolyte drink, you know, one or two times a day is important, but overhydrating, you know, you're going to, it's going to flush, it's going to flush itself out regardless. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm glad you clarified that. All right. So let's talk about during race day. Um, I know that we as runners are supposed to experiment, of course, with whatever nutrition works for us and doesn't work for us during our training runs. So we don't have any surprises during race day. Mm -hmm. But if we have a pretty good stomach and we're ready to take on whatever they offer on the course, you'll see water stops very frequently and you always have the options of water and electrolytes. Which mm -hmm. ones are we supposed to pick? Are we supposed to do electrolytes all the way, water all the way, or a certain mix? What do you recommend? Well, you should, um, you know, do a mix of it. You do need the water and then you do need the electrolytes to balance and replenish the electrolytes that you're losing through sweat. Um, so I think that both are important. And most of the time, you know, what we generally recommend is that, you know, you want to, some people say you want to drink to thirst, right? And then some people say that you want to drink about 14 to 20 fluid ounces per hour, but you do want to get in electrolytes as well. And the biggest one that we are concerned about is sodium because we lose sodium through our sweat. So again, though, it depends on who you are as a person because you can be a very salty sweater, right? You can, um, so everything is very individualized, but you do need to um, consume both. So I think that is where your practice comes into play during your long runs of how and when you feel your best, um, because both of them are important. So you can't just drink water if you're sweating profusely because you're going to lose your electrolytes and that can lead to, um, you know, nat naturemia where you're going to have low sodium and the electrolytes are what cause your muscles to function, right? To contract and release and to contract and release. And without that, you know, you can get yourself into trouble. So you want to be hydrated so you can continue to sweat, but you want to then also reboot your electrolytes so you can continue to perform. So there is a, a balance, but every drink does not need to be electrolytes. Okay, perfect. So we just, during our training runs, again, have to figure out whether or not we are very salty sweaters and our sodium needs and whatever else we're losing needs are very individualized depending on how we are. Correct. And so it's also, you know, it depends on what food you've eaten. So in the beginning, you know, before the race, if you ate, let's say, you know, banana and a piece of toast or oatmeal, you know, you are getting electrolytes, these, these, um, micronutrients from your food as well. So it's not just from these drinks. It's just that you need to replenish them throughout your workout. So in the beginning, I always say like anything less than 60 minutes, you don't need to start using electrolytes, right? Because you also are burning them from your stores and from the food that you've consumed. Um, but then you are going to accommodate, you know, both. Okay, perfect. Again, it's very important to practice. So even if you are a salty sweater or not a salty sweater, you know, it, um, it's just important to know how your body performs well. But it's hard for me to prescribe, you know, certain amounts of what because everybody is so individualized. So I think the most important thing is, um, you know, to drink to thirst um, and depending on how acclimated you are to the climate, right? Some people travel very far to do marathons. Some people do it in their home state. So it's also knowing, you know, the climate and then, you know, 
doing that, you know, um, drinking upon thirst or the 14 to 20 fluid ounces, um, I know for myself, like I would probably get lost in time. So I would do, you know, the required, um, I, I mean, I would forget about my thirst, right? Because I'd be focusing on so many other things. So I would probably do like the 14 to 20 ounces, but everybody again does what works best for them. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm glad that you brought up food because obviously drinks and food go hand in hand together. And I want to roll into that. So let's talk about that last week, those last seven days prior to the marathon. Um, Is there anything, because we talk about carb loading later on, is there anything that we need to eat more of? Do we need to eat more carbs? And if so, why is that the case? Right. So what we want to do is, um, you know, we want to, over the course of that week, start to increase our carbohydrate intake, but we want to look at like slow um, um, or low glycemic carbs. So these are carbohydrates that are complex, that have fiber, um, and therefore we digest them slowly. They don't create spikes. They're not giving us fast energy, but we can digest them and we can start to build our glycogen stores in a natural state. So What our glycogen stores are is every time we eat, um, and I'm sure everybody knows this, but I always like to touch on it, is every time we eat anything that contains carbohydrates, so that's fruits, vegetables, grains, nuts, seeds, breads, um, dairy, right, anything that has naturally occurring sugar, we'll break it down into glucose and then we'll store it in our liver and in our muscles in chains called glycogen. So when we eat, um, like during race day, we we eat... um, high glycemic foods. So we, we use them for energy real quick, but the slow and low glycemic foods, we digest slowly. They help to keep us full. They help to nourish us, give us anti antioxidants, fight inflammation, but we also store them um, in our muscles. And since our activity levels are decreased in this time frame, we are storing them and not burning through them and needing to replenish them at a rapid rate. So what we're doing that week is we are increasing, you know, um, slowly increasing or adding more low glycemic carbohydrates to our di- our diet to allow our body to slowly build up our stores um, so we can have that ready to go on race day. Um, we don't want to overdo it. We don't want to treat ourselves like it's Thanksgiving dinner. We don't need to like, you know, have six plates of pasta. We just want to make sure that we are adding more than we typically do on a day. So our body has stores to pull from. I don't know if I missed it and you said it, but can you give us a few examples of those low glycemic index foods? Sure, sure. So anytime, like this would be my recommendations for a a generally healthy diet, right? So sweet potatoes, oatmeal, brown rice, um, whole wheat pasta, lentil pasta, quinoa pasta, any of these types of foods. You could do regular pasta as well. Um, lots of fruits and vegetables, um, whole grain toast, you know, dairy counts as a carbohydrate as well. So, you know, if you're putting milk into your oatmeal when you're making it, these are all things that um, digest slowly. So we want to avoid or limit. I mean, as runners, you know, we really will process whatever carbohydrates we have, but, but in the health standpoint, we don't want to go for the white processed things that maybe we'll reach for afterwards, you know, the bagels, the chips, the junk food, because we're still making sure we show up to race day in, you know, exceptional form. So we're going for all of the complex carbohydrates from whole food, um, ingredients. Okay, perfect. And then what about that week leading up to the marathon? What about fats and proteins? Well, fats and proteins, we want to, you know, keep 
at what we normally would because we don't need to increase them. We don't store those for energy, right? At this point, we are in like a recovery phase. So we're not tearing our muscles down and needing to rebuild them. You know, so adequate amounts that keep you satisfied and full, I would just keep the same. Um, so, you know, I usually recommend, you know, protein at every meal, fat at every meal from, of course, if possible, you know, good, clean sources. So if you're plant-based, you're going to be getting it from tofu or tempeh or, um, legumes, nuts and seeds, um, maybe protein powders. If you um, eat animal protein, then you're going to be getting it, you know, from ideally grass-fed meat, organic chicken, um, seafood, sustainable seafood. Um, so you're getting adequate amounts, but at the same time, you're, again, thinking long-term of showing up without inflammation and with energy. Um, and then with fat, I always say keep it clean. So again, nuts and seeds, avocado, coconut oil, olive oil, adding olives to your food. Um, all of these fats help the vitamins and minerals from the vegetables um, and that we're consuming get into our system. So we need them to absorb all these um, fat-soluble vitamins. So you want to keep that fairly balanced to what you normally do and slowly increase the, the carbohydrates because that is what's going to give you that sustained energy for the run. Perfect. Thank you so much. That was a great explanation. Okay, great. So now that we know what we need to do the week before, what about the day before the marathon, also known as the carb loading day? What mm -hmm. should we eat? Because we hear a lot of the time that we need to keep it to just bland foods, um, mm -hmm. avoid fiber and caffeines, just in case we have sensitive stomachs. Mm -hmm. So what, um, what should we eat that day before? Well, in my um, experience, most runners, unless you are just like popping into this race because you think you can do it, um, most runners have already become in tune with how their bodies process caffeine and fiber, right? So if you don't do well with, you know, high fiber foods, definitely limit them, you know, in this day. If caffeine bothers you, makes you anxious, makes you jittery, then you definitely want to avoid that. Um, but in the day before, you still have time. So I wouldn't like over fiber. I would just eat foods, you know, maybe a little bit less um, than you typically do. But I would be eating foods that we are going to be able to continue to build these stores. But we don't want to consume too much of them like that the carbo loading day where everybody used to eat all these bowls of pasta. You don't want to show up to race day feeling bloated, overstuffed, heavy, you know, swollen from sodium. So you want to eat some bland foods if that works for you. But if you feel great eating a salad for lunch with, you know, sweet potato and some salmon in it, there's no reason to bring that, to take that away if your body processes that very well and it's your usual because then in the morning you will wake up, you know, going through your usual morning routine, uh, you know, on race day, which is important. So I think again, or I shouldn't say, I think I know, again, this is very individualized. So um, again, it's testing all of these things in your training, in your um, prep on your long run days. So, you know, the day before a long run, maybe eat some high fiber foods that you typically would eat and see if it disagrees or agrees with you. Um, you know, or caffeinate, if you usually caffeinate, um, and see if that disagrees with you because, you know, caffeine also can be a positive effect, right? It has research does show that caffeine enhances performance. So, you know, again, you really need to know your own body. 
That's a great suggestion to uh, try out or kind of almost have a mimicked mock run, long run marathon day. So you can try out the day before what works and what doesn't work for you. Certainly. And then one more thing I do recommend, though, avoiding the day before. Like we do not want to... um, eat fried greasy foods, right? We don't want to try out any new foods or um, anything like I, I personally would recommend like anything that seems like a risky food, like going for sushi the night before or, you know, something um, that may be contaminated or can carry, you know, bacteria on it. So those would be my like watch out day before um, areas just to prevent any sort of bloating, discomfort or illness. Yeah, perfect. Just keeping it simple. So let me ask you one question that's kind of a taboo question. Nobody likes talking about it, but Let's we do it. go with it. All right. So how can we, the day of the marathon, make sure that we're able to go to the bathroom before we go to the race? Is there anything we can do to speed up the process and make sure that we are um, in our best shape and our best place to where we avoid having to do bathroom stops during our marathon? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, my biggest recommendation again would be know your body and this is where the high fiber foods come in. So if all of a sudden you eat a high fiber diet and then two days before the race, you're afraid that you're going to have a stomachache. So you pull all that fiber out, you are going to notice that your bowel movements change, right? So what, what we want to do, um, is in the week leading up to it or even just forever, right? This is a recommendation I make for everyone is if you are consuming enough water and enough fiber. So we want to aim for anything from 35 to 45 grams of fiber per day. Um, we will be going to the bathroom, you know, regularly. So you want to keep that up in the day before. Um, and then your body is falls into a system. So, you know, or you can also in practice prior, you can implement something such as like a magnesium supplement, which definitely helps you to go to the bathroom much more regularly, but it's certainly not something you want to introduce the night before, because if you don't know how it affects your body, um, you could be having, you know, you might have a bad run. So I would say high fiber and adequate hydration are your number one consistently. Like this should be a lifestyle change. Everybody should do today. Um, then I'd say in a month leading up to it, if, you know, things aren't, aren't running that smoothly, start to experiment with a magnesium supplement. So this is, you know, magnesium is an electrolyte, but people also take it to help with stress, to help with muscle contraction, to relax the nervous system, but to also help with bowel movements. So I would say to start that, but with, you know, give yourself time to understand how it works with your body. And then on the day of, you want to wake up with enough time to let your body go through its natural rhythms, right? So we want to wake up at least three to four hours before the race. If coffee is something you rely on to help you go to the bathroom, I would not change that. Um, But again, I would practice that with your runs and the anxiety and the stress and all the things that happen on race day. Um, But those would be my recommendations. So nothing new. There's no, you know, take drinking a special tea or doing something the day of, because that can just mess you up. It's really learning how to make your body function at its best, at least the month before. So if you want to try anything out, you must give yourself time to experiment. But the best ticket is a high fiber, um, adequate water, um, diet every day, starting today for everyone before and after the race. This is how we have optimal digestion. Um, and again, for those people who suffer from, you know, any sort of Crohn's or, um, GI issues, 
again, you will just need to know how these things work for your body so you are not surprised on race day. But the biggest takeaway there is your fiber, your hydration, magnesium a month before if you have a problem going to the bathroom. If you do not have a problem going to the bathroom and you just want to make sure you go on race day, I would say stay away from that because it could really give you the runs um, and then wake up with adequate time for your body to go through all of its natural motions prior to race day. That's a really good tip. And I think, um, yeah, we should, we can let our listeners know that it's probably a good idea because normally when we have long runs on the weekends, we don't get up three hours before. Maybe when we have the last few long runs, we can practice that where we really mimic marathon day and see if we can make things happen for us. So thank you for that. Yeah, I think it's really, really important to know how your body works. And some people go to the bathroom as soon as they wake up, and some people need that coffee, newspaper, first meal, right? But if you have no other opportunity to give yourself a race day trial besides that last long run. So, like, really, you know, make that like your trial day and commit to that practice. Perfect. All right. So my next question is in regards to breakfast. And so now taking out of the equation that every runner is an individual and some foods work for others or not just from a nutritional base standpoint, mm -hmm. what would be some good breakfast foods that we should be eating before a long run? And when I say long run, I guess in the running community, a long run is anything more than 90 minutes. So including mm -hmm. our long runs leading up to the marathon. Yep. So, um, Right. You're taking into account that everybody knows what works best for them. So my uh, ideal recommendation is always going to be something easily digestible, um, such as, you know, a, you know, a piece of toast, maybe with some peanut butter and a banana, um, some oatmeal um, with, some, you know, a banana. Um, if you like, you know, a sweet potato, you know, with a tablespoon of peanut butter, something that has the digestible complex carbohydrate, but a little bit of protein and fat to balance out and um, allow for elongated um, energy. We don't want to be, unless you're eating about three, you know, two to three hours prior to your long run, um, we don't want to have too much protein or too much fat because it does take a while to digest. We don't want a big meal because our, you know, then our blood shunts to our gut and we spend time digesting instead of performing. So it's going to be something that's easily digestible. So that's going to be um, complex carbohydrates. Um, and then, you know, your long run, so that should hold you probably 60 to 90 minutes and that's where... Um, people have, um, you know, bring the goose or have the electrolyte drink to kind of get them through when they're, and when their stores start to dip, but you've also consumed adequate amounts of carbohydrates leading up to this long run. So your body can go into its stores. Okay. So then when it does get into its stores <clears throat> and let's talk about that nutrition that we have to do a little bit more, um, during our run. So, What is it that we are replacing? Can you talk about those specific things that we need to replace? And then since there are so many products out there, you know, as we have to try everything out beforehand, which products, um, what should those products contain ideally? Right. So um, I would... Well, what we do need to add would be um, very accessible forms of glucose, right? So that's our body's um, stored energy. So that would be in, you know, in as many different varieties as carrying, you know, dried fruit on your person. Some people use candy. Some people use, you know, um, shop blocks. Some people use goo. Um, these are the quick releasing 
um, glucose. So it's basically like you're eating sugar and your body's just plowing through that and burning it to get it through its next point. Um, so it would be adding, bringing in a serving of that with you um, while you're out running for a long run or, you know, starting at about over 60 to 90 minutes. And then, yeah, so I would say that or, you know, a um, electrolyte drink as well that contains, you know, um, the balanced amount of electrolytes. Some of them contain sugar, which can kind of kill two birds with one stone. And some of them, some people don't prefer to drink their um, sugar. So some of them are sugar free. Some of them contain caffeine. Some of them don't. So again, here's the experimentation part. But some people do really like that caffeine and sugar hit at the end of the long run to really give them that like runner's high to get through the last, you know, stretch. Yeah, that makes sense. And I was always wondering about that because we hear so much bad stuff about fiber and caffeine for during running. And then we also hear all this good stuff. So, well, fiber and, ca you know, that's again, very personalized, but it depends on your methodology, right? Like some people in now, you know, practice practices are, um, the short, quick hits of glucose. And then there are some, some other products like you can, um, which is a slow glycemic release, which is almost like a consistent over time, slow release glucose. Um, and I think that most people do what they feel most comfortable with, but, um, you know, taking in high amounts of fiber during the run just can cause stomach you know, tummy troubles in the sense that your body will try to digest and it may create gas, but it doesn't move through your body fast enough to create like bathroom issues at that point. Sometimes the easily digestible carbohydrates, um, these goose, those can create stomach trouble because how quickly they're digested, the osmolality can bring water into the gut and cause you to have to go to the bathroom. So again, this is where it's really very individualized. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, uh, that's that's really a great explanation because we hear a lot of stuff going on with those um, more sugar-loaded products such as goo, etc. Right. Well, so so and some people um, do love, you know. It, that some people combine the two. Um, but if you find that, you know, because we do recommend that, you know, you're taking goos or gels about every 30 to 45 minutes or, you know, in taking in about 30 to 90 grams of carbs, you know, after you're in the run for about 90 minutes. So it depends, again, how you tolerate that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right. So since we're on that subject, um, and I know, as you said, it's everything is so individualized, but what are your you know, products that you recommend just from a nutritional standpoint that we should try and see if they work for us? Um, well, I, you know, some, some people like the stinger waffles, you know, if you want to kind of have something that you want to chew on. Um, I, um, you can is a really good product if you want to try out that long, slow release. Um, it's been around for quite some time. A lot of athletes really enjoy that. Um, you know, the goos and the gels, I just try and, you know, it's race day. It's only happening, you know, once a year or, well, no, actually that's not true. Once in a while, I should say. Um, so I would just say the cleanest varieties, right? So you want to look for, um, less chemicals, less junk in there. Um, but those would probably be my top recommendations in sense in the sense. Um, but I also like to add in some fresh fruits or, you know, if you can grab that banana on the run, if you don't mind chewing, if you can, um, you know, have some, you know, grapes or dried fruit on your person, mixing it up with those kind of varieties are also really nice. Okay, great. 
So I have uh, three listener questions, and I also want to throw in a personal, a bonus question in regards to this. And this is something I'm personally dealing with, but I've also heard other people dealing with it. So I run a marathon and then, uh, or a half marathon, and then after that marathon, as soon as I cross the finish line, I feel nauseated and I have a crampy stomach that lasts literally six to eight hours. I'm trying to figure out why this happens and how to prevent it. Because while I'm running, day before, everything is great. Hmm. Um, well, it could just be, you know, lactic acid buildup. It could be, you know, just your body is done with these, you know, kind of quick hit sugars and, um, um, you know, and it's looking for proper nourishment and rest. Um, it could be taking in too much air, too much gas, but I do think it probably has something to do with the lactic acid buildup. Um, So afterwards it would be, what are you consuming to help replenish your stores, right? To maybe help, um, so your cramps and all those things go away, making sure you're adequately hydrated, you have your electrolytes, you have these easily digestible, you know, bagel, um, toast, you know, oranges, these types of foods that quickly restore your glycogen stores. Um, And then I just think rest, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, because I get to the point where I'm so nauseated, I can't even eat anything. Yeah, and I think that, you know, a lot of times the nausea comes from like a, a lot of adrenaline and then an adrenaline crash. I um, mean, I hear this from my clients who are just, you know, who just exercise um, at a high capacity. They're not running marathons. A lot of people lose their appetite after they're working out, after exercise, and they don't want to eat anything. So sometimes that can just be a reflection because your adrenaline is up, you know, that your body kind of if we look back at like our, you know, our lineage, it's almost like fight or flight, right? And if we're in fight stage, like we are shunting um, desire to eat or anything else because we need to put all of our energy into our muscles and our brain. Um, So that can be one part. The other part could be just low blood sugar, right? Which makes you nauseous. And the last thing you want to do is eat when you feel nauseous. But after taking these goos and using up all of your glucose and all of your glycogen stores, your body is weak and it needs energy. And glucose is our first form of energy that we use um, and we use it easily. So it's almost saying, what can I drink? What can I, you know, even if it's drinking, you know, some sort of juice or something, it's giving your body that sugar because you feel nauseous because your sugar is so low. And so it's bringing it up um, after having these quick spikes of these goos and um, these, you know, easily digestible carbohydrates, you have the quick spikes and drops and quick spikes and drops, and you're constantly replenishing yourself during the run. And then afterwards, you let yourself have this last drop, but you don't replenish because you're beat. Yes, that makes sense. Thank you for that. Yeah. So the next, uh, the listener, first listener question that I have is, is water and gels enough or should you eat real food during a race? So I always say real food in the beginning of the race for sure Um, because, you know, before the race eating real food, you're going to get like, you know, the most bang for your buck, the optimal nutrition, fuel your body um, the right way when you're eating real foods. And then um, if you like to eat real foods on the run, if that feels good to you, then you can definitely – you can definitely do that with practice again um, and or and or you can interchange. You know, some people are running and there's no way they're going to chew a banana down, right? And some people are running and they can't wait to actually be able to eat something that's very refreshing. So again, both, um, I think water and gels are enough, 
right? If you eat a meal beforehand and you've practiced your body's rhythms, ideally, I believe that, you know, eating some real food in there um, is helpful. But if you can't tolerate it, then it definitely won't be helpful. That makes sense. And the next question is from another listener, and it is, is it possible to drink too much water? Definitely. Yep. Um, so the problem with just drinking water um, is that when we sweat, we lose electrolytes. And like I said in the beginning, we lose salt. Salt is really the most important electrolyte to replenish because we sweat out salt. Um, and when we don't have enough salt in our body, we can't really manage the intracellular water balance. And we need to manage the, the cell water the water inside of our cells as well as the water outside of our cells that we're losing to keep us cool um, to, to have our body function in the right way. So when you drink too much water, you can flush out too much of your sodium and then your, you know, your muscles stop contracting and that, you know, in the long run, you know, your heart can stop beating um, and your legs will cramp and all of these things. So water is important, but electrolytes are also important to replenish. And this is part of the practice because you have to know how much electrolytes you need Um, and also when you're consuming food, you're also going to be getting in electrolytes too. So don't pass up those opportunities to refuel um, with food as well because food contains electrolytes. Um, but just water straight away is just going to flush you clean um, of those electrolytes and lead to medical issues. It's hard to do. I don't want to scare anyone, but at the same time, I want to scare you enough to experiment with other things to keep <laughs> going and feeling strong. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, thank you. And the last listener question that we have here is, is salt or magnesium good for cramps? Well, both, right? So magnesium is good for cramps, but if you start cramping in your run, um, you know, you can take magnesium because magnesium releases, um, you know, muscle spasm. So like I said before about using magnesium to help your body go to the bathroom, it is very good in the central nervous system to relax the muscles, relax everything. Um, it helps with sleep. It helps with stress. Um, so it does help. But in that intense moment, you know, taking just magnesium probably won't help fast enough. So it will also be the balance of the electrolytes. So the sodium too. If you have like a magnesium rub, Um, and you want to rub that on the spot that is um, spasming, that can help. But really, um, both play a very big role because both play a role in muscle contraction. And typically, um, typically when you are consuming any sort of electrolyte beverage, they are going to be in the balance that they need. Um, and additionally, potassium is, the, is another. Potassium and calcium are other electrolytes that we do need. And potassium does help with cramping as well. So my recommendation for this is to make sure that you're eating foods rich in electrolytes. So, you know, avocados are high in potassium, sweet potatoes are high in potassium, um, grains are high in magnesium. Um, most foods are high in sodium. We're not at a loss for sodium in this country. Um, so I would say making sure that you're eating these adequate foods in the buildup, you know, in prep just to have a colorful plate. And then on day of race day, making sure that you are really following these rhythms of getting in a balance of electrolytes, but possibly, um, you know, carrying a magnesium cream that can act in this source. It's almost like an Epsom salt bath, but while you're on the go. That's perfect. Yeah, that's a great idea. We'll have to incorporate it into our long runs. Yes, yes, I know. Those long runs, you may, you may dread them, but they are going to become part of your end of one research project. Yeah, it seems like we almost have another reason to get out the door for them now. Right? Doesn't it make it more exciting to have like a few goals than just like survive? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm making a shopping list as you're talking. 
So, Amy, we've talked about the week before the marathon, and then we've talked about during the marathon, and let's talk about the last um, question that I have for you, which is the fun part, mm. the replenishing post-marathon meals. What should they contain? Can we just eat whatever? Is um, anything allowed, not allowed? And what is just generally great for recovery so we can avoid soreness and all that other stuff? Yes. So I know everybody crosses the finish line and eventually when they, they get past their nausea, you know, they feel like they have earned to eat whatever they want. And believe me, I'm working in this field for 15 years. I have heard it all. I've heard finishing <laughs> races at Dunkin' Donuts and eating a dozen donuts. I've heard, you know, ordering their own pizza pie, going to a bar and drinking six beers. Um, so what I recommend in a perfect world is in that, you know, if you can, again, we talked about how, how people feel sick. If you can, in like that first 30 minutes to an hour post your run, get in just simple carbohydrates. So these are all the things you have been told not to eat to be healthy, right? Like bagels, pretzels, um, they say chocolate milk, you know, you know, things that your body can break down and digest without much effort, but contain carbohydrates. So you are going back and you are rebuilding those um, glycogen stores. Post your workout, you have about 30 minutes of a window where your cells are very receptive to taking up this glucose. So that's why we don't want to do the complex carbohydrates at this time. We want the simple carbohydrates so we can digest them quickly, get them into our muscles and our liver, and then we can go about our day. So that is step one. After that, for, you know, preventing soreness, which you're going to be sore no matter how you look at it, but we want to fight inflammation, right? So omega-3 fatty acids from, I'm sure this, you know, I don't know how many people finish a race and can't wait to eat salmon, but I am going to make that recommendation. <laughs> um, you know, having something with, um, omega-3 fatty acids. So it could even be grass-fed beef. It could be, um, you know, cold water fish. It could come from walnuts or chia seeds or flax seeds, but Omega-3s are very powerful with anti-inflammatory properties. Um, turmeric, having some turmeric, you know, if you want to take it as a supplement or if you want to cook with it. But I'm always going to say refuel with healthy foods, right? A, that's my job. B, that's my practice. Um, but really, that's how you would feel best. And I always put this question out there, like, have you ever tried to recover with a really healthy, balanced meal, like a, you know, a bowl meal of, you know, brown rice, cooked vegetables, lean proteins, healthy fats, um, that may not seem like super indulgent, but may be very nourishing. You know, beets are very good for recovery. Um, tart cherry juice is very good for recovery. Um, so these are things when you eat plants and things with lots of dark colors, they are going to replenish and restore you and fight inflammation and fight pain naturally. So that is my recommendation. So I would say eat the junk food like in that first 30 minutes and then recover with, you know, adequate hydration and foods that will really fuel you. With that being said, at this point, you have deserved to eat whatever you want. I would say tread lightly on things that are very rich, like cheese or fried foods, because they just won't make you feel well, right? If you're nauseous and your body is pretty spent, your body has to then spend a lot of energy digesting these heavy foods. So I would definitely say maybe give it a couple of days until you go, go all in for that. Um, but... Um, I think that's my long-winded answer there is as a nutritionist, I want you to refuel with, you know, fiber-rich, colorful foods that you know do your body well. You know, healthy fats are going to help you to repair. Um, but if you do want to indulge, you know, depending on how you want to feel, you've worked really hard to feel, you know, like stuffed on a couch, um, you know, just, just tread lightly. 
That sounds like perfect advice and it makes sense to maybe wait on those cheesy, heavy meals and you explained to us why. So thank you for that. And thank you for all of this advice that you've been giving us for the last almost hour. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners are going to maybe want to reach out to you. So if they would like to do that, how can they get in touch with you? Fantastic. So my website is realnutritionnyc.com. Um, you can also find me on Instagram mostly. So it's at Real Nutrition. And then you can always send me an email. That's through my website. You can sign up for an appointment. That's through my website. Um, and I'm always happy to chat. Thank you so much, Amy. All right. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Amy, for coming onto our show once again. I hope you guys got some great information out of this podcast episode and that we can have Amy on again very soon with some more information when it comes to running. That's always very interesting. And who doesn't like to talk about food? With that said, I hope you guys train hard. No matter what happens to our races, we're going to have some sort of race happening in the fall. And we look forward to that. And I hope that you feel right for it. All right. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.